Just take a seat. Let's just hold an attitude of prayerfulness. Just use the moment. We'll just cycle through four quick prayers. We'll use Acts as a rubric. So we'll pray a prayer of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. So let's just adore the Lord God in your heart and in the quietness of the moment. Just offer a prayer of thanksgiving and adoration to God. Lord, we worship you. You're good. You're gracious. A wonderful redeemer. Your forgiveness is full, boundless, and free. We're yours. We're yours forever. And we adore you. Let's say a prayer of thanks. Maybe there's specific things that you have thanks to God in your heart for. Let's say a prayer of thanks to God. Lord, for the countless, innumerable blessings we have, material, physical things, the everyday things, the things we take for granted, as well as all those spiritual and wonderful blessings. Lord, maybe for specific things even of this week, we give you thanks and praise. We want to confess as well, Lord, we take a moment just to confess those things that are laid heavy on our heart, maybe things undealt with until this very moment. Let's take a moment to bring our confession to God. Pray, may the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins, restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. And then finally, a prayer of supplication. It's just maybe there's one prayer, there's something you've been praying all week, and we're just going to pray it now in church tonight and just ask the Lord again for this thing that's that we're seeking God for. Let's say that prayer. just tie up all of those prayers that we've spoken and let's 
Bring those together with the prayers for the world, a world in need. In so many situations that we're aware of. Um, globally, locally. In the life of this church. We bring all these prayers before, before you, Lord God, and offer them to you on the merit and work of Jesus, our Saviour and Redeemer. Amen. Well, amen, and uh, good to be back for a fourth instalment. I don't know if everyone's familiar with this, so let me just give a very brief outline of where we've got to. Um, I did uh, four parts on peacemaking downtown at St. John's, and we've ex we're exporting now. We're exporting the, uh, the sermon series throughout the whole of South End, and it's arrived here. We've done three parts already. The first was um, glorify God in conflict. So we're talking about conflict. We're talking about things that go wrong. Relationships gone wrong. Rubbing up one another the wrong way. Maybe in church, even. And um, we're saying... First and foremost, here's an opportunity. Don't bat it away. Don't scrape it away like a cobweb. But say, aha, here. Here is my chance to worship and glorify the living God by being a peacemaker. So that was the first thing. Second thing, second big principle, the second talk was get the log out of your own eye from those words of Jesus. So the first thing we're going to do, we found ourselves in a conflict. Maybe it's with a family member, work colleague, another member of the church. We're going to first do that important work of self-reflection, looking at what I've, what's my part in all this. We spend a lot of time there. Probably more time there than anywhere else. And then thirdly, gently restore was the title of the third, the third one where we were saying, okay, we, we, are, we can see that a brother or a sister, someone we're dealing with, is caught in sin. We went from Galatians 6 there, and Paul was talking about a brother caught in sin. You who are spiritual, go to that person and gently restore them. Point out their sin and gently restore them. And we thought about that. And all of those, those sermons are available on the St. John's YouTube. I think, I, think, you know, I think you've got a podcast now, so I think it might be on there. Or uh, Anyway, those three sermons, if you want to find them, they're on our podcast, on our podcast and our um, YouTube channel as well, if you want to go back through those. But part four today, the last in the four-part series, is Go and Be Reconciled. That's the title. Go and Be Reconciled. And it's from the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. So let me read you those. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. Therefore, Jesus says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and when, when Jesus says that, by the way, just imagine temple, right? Think temple worship in the center of the community, at the center of the life of God's people, temple worship, the altar. Right? If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, Jesus is saying there's something more important than your worship. Than temple worship. 
at the altar of God, in the temple of God, in the center of the life of the community. Now, that would have been highly, highly regarded. It, was this, it probably was the most essential act of any believer that they would bring their offering of worship. And Jesus says, there's something more important than that. First, if, you've got, if you know there's something going on between you and someone else, you know it, there's something even more important than that act of worship, and it's to go. Jesus says, go. Pursue it. Go. Pursue forgiveness and reconciliation. In as much as it is up to us, Jesus says, whenever you become aware of a breakdown, then go first and sort that out, then come and worship. It interests me. Um, I don't know what, um, when we think of worship now, we usually think of music, right? I mean, that's usually what we think of when we think worship. Now, I don't know how many millions, perhaps even billions of dollars, the Christian worship machine is worth. I don't know, it must be, it must run into millions of dollars annually, if not hundreds of millions we spend so much money on albums, downloads, concerts, everything like that. And Jesus is going, if you want to put a price on it, it's more than all of that. Forgiveness. Pursuing forgiveness is worth $10 trillion, whatever. Okay. Now, it's a difficult topic, this. It is difficult. And I'm going to just go through it like this. Uh, forgiveness isn't easy. It's my first point. It's quite a simple one, really. Uh, it's not optional. It's the second point. And then we're just going to drill down into the Lord's forgiveness a little bit as we close and we come to communion tonight. So I'm going to try and be quite timely. All right, it's a difficult topic. It is a difficult topic. Has anyone seen the BBC series, the three-part miniseries called Time? Sean Bean? Show of hands. Oh, one or two. One or two fans out there. Uh, great. Okay, well, I'm not sure. It, well, it's a good, it's a good one. Uh, it's about a chap who goes to prison. He's, um, he's uh, got himself drunk and driven and ended up killing another man. And explores, well, part of the story, explores the difficulty of forgiveness. Um, I think it's... It, I think it's the lady, I think it's the wife or the mother, I'm not quite sure. But the difficulty for her to forgive. Um, even though Sean Bean, who's the character there, even though he's repented, he's really said sorry, genuinely. Even though he's done horrific jail time, and part of the story is just how bad it was for him to be in jail. And even though he's reformed, right, demonstrably re reformed, um, the show does, does a good job at showing us Reveal it. That is, it is hard. It's difficult to forgive. Now, let's just pause over this. This might be very live. For someone here, one of us here, maybe more of us here. And if it's not us right now, it could be someone we know. This could be really, really raw. And forgiveness is hard. You know, maybe someone's hurt you in the past and it's still, you're still turning over about it. Really hurts. Maybe there's something going on right now. Patterns of behavior, 
someone's doing something to you or robbing you in some way or treating you in an undignified, you know, it's hard. So I just want to say that. I don't want to trivialize, you know, I'm not trying in any way to trivialize this. It's difficult. It's really hard. And there's opportunity for prayer. We're in church tonight. It's a safe place. I'm here. Tom's here. There's lots of other people here who will pray with you if you want that. So um, forgiveness isn't easy. Say that straight up. But it is required. So I'm going I'm to show you that from uh, Matthew chapter 6, from the Lord's Prayer. Simple, right? The Lord's Prayer. You don't need to turn it up. I'll just, we know it, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus says, his disciples ask him how to pray. And then he reads the, he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kingdom come, you will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Right, now I point that out. Because just at the end of the prayer there, Jesus could have clarified anything in that prayer. I'd have loved him to do a little, little bit of an extra on what it means to, I know, pray, give us today our daily bread. I'd have liked Jesus to say, why, why do we need to be delivered from temptation? Can't you just expand on, on that for a bit? You know, Jesus could have done a little expansion on that prayer. It would have been super helpful just to expand on it a little bit. He expanded on one line. He actually did in Mark chapter six, uh, Matthew 6. And it was this one about forgiveness. You can tell how close this is to the heart of Jesus, isn't it? He expanded on that one. He said, right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, the very next thing he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I said the same thing twice. Positively and negatively. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. So it's the same thing from both directions. That's having said it in the Lord's Prayer as well. Now, can we just deal with that a little bit? Because it feels like a requirement, doesn't it? It feels, therefore, like a, a requirement. And as a church and as Christians, we're used to thinking God's love, God's forgiveness is totally, totally, totally free. And I, and I hope I can show you I'm not denying that. And, I've, and I've, I've heard a really good way of trying to explain this, which I think might be helpful. So let me just share it with you. When God does save us completely and freely and fully, and we know it's a gift, right? It is a free gift. When God says you're forgiven and you're mine and you're mine forever, it's a free gift, right? But let's put it like this. To take that gift... To receive that gift, we do have to drop baggage, if you like, if you want to follow through on that illustration. We do have to drop idols, right? If we're worshipping idols, if we're following and chasing after other gods, you do have to drop those idols and say, I'm going to 
I am not going to worship those things anymore. I'm going to receive you, Jesus. We do have to drop selfish ambition and striving and our own pride. We can't hold on to that. We can't hold on to our own pride and ambition and striving and receive a free gift. You've got to drop that and then receive the free gift. So it is with unforgiveness. Same idea. If we're harboring unforgiveness, you have to drop it to receive the free gift. See that? That's the best way I can explain it. It's, it is that the forgiveness of God is totally free. But we do have to let go of baggage. And unforgiveness is one thing. So maybe that helps. So let's just press in then at the look, just how the Lord forgives. Because if we're going to forgive, that's, that's, I've just set up something quite tricky there. Right? I've just said forgiveness is very difficult, which it is. If we've been seriously hurt, forgiveness is hard. And then I've just shown you that Jesus says it's not optional. It's not optional for the Christian. So I've set up quite a difficult thing there. So now I just want to look. For the last few moments of this sermon, and I'm checking my watch because Tom's given me a time limit. For the last few moments of this sermon, I just want to focus on the Lord. Right? I want to focus on the Lord and just see, just spend some moments just pondering God's forgiveness because that is the only place where I'm going to get resourced to forgive. Okay, so Jeremiah, let me read you from Jeremiah uh, chapter 31. This is uh, just the second text that I want to read you tonight and um, uh, from chapter 31, the great promise of the gospel and from verse 31, I think in the church Bibles, if you want to follow it, it's on page... Uh, 794. Let me just read you this passage quite quickly. Jeremiah 31. This is the Lord's promise to his people. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then get this, for, for I will forgive their wickedness And will remember their sins no more. Just get the structure there. So the Lord's promised all these amazing things. I'm going to put my law in their minds and hearts. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. They won't have to teach their neighbor saying, know the Lord. They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. For, because, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to deal with their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now I want to just drill in on that last verse there. Because the first thing I want to say is forgiveness is not a feeling. Right? With the Lord, forgiveness is not a feeling, but a decision. Right? The Lord says in that verse, 
I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I will do it. It's the language of covenant. It's the kind of thing you say when you're getting married to someone, don't you? I will. Right, whether I like it or not, rich or poorer, you know, sickness and in health, till death us do part, I will be faithful to this one. It's the language of covenant, decision, promise-keeping, I will do it. Right? And the Lord says that about forgiveness. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? so he teaches us to be a forgiving people, he's not asking us to wait for the feels, for the feelings of forgiveness. And quite often I think that's where we go. So when someone says, um, I, just, I simply cannot forgive that person because I feel just too cut up about it inside. What I think they're saying is, um, right now, for whatever reason, maybe that, that person hasn't, justice hasn't been done, or I just don't feel warm and cozy about that person right now. And because I, because I don't feel warm and fluffy about it, I can't forgive them. And so we, we wait. We say, I just, I'm not going to forgive. I can't forgive because I just don't feel warmly disposed to someone. I just, I just, I don't, I'm not feeling the love. I'm not feeling the joy. I'm not feeling the restoration. I'm not feeling it. And so I can't, I can't forgive. I can't forgive. It's impossible. But the Lord Jesus is not, is not calling us to feelings-led forgiveness. He's not saying, get the feels and then forgive. He's calling us to decision-led forgiveness. You decide to forgive. And then the feelings will follow. But it's a decision you decide, I am going to forgive you, and I'm going to make that decision now, whether I feel it or not. So the Bible calls for that kind of forgiveness because that's the kind of forgiveness that God shows us. I will do it. So it's not a feeling. Second, it's not forgetting in the sense that so sometimes we feel like in order to truly truly forgive someone what i i basically need the memory of the whole thing just to drift away out of out of mind i've got to let it slip away and once it's slipped away then then truly i'm you know i can say forgiveness is complete but listen to what the lord says same verse i will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now we do know, don't we, how that word remember is used in the Bible. Let me give you some examples of the way the Hebrew word is used. So remember in the flood with Noah, uh, the flood waters are up, Noah's there with his family, they're in the ark, just chilling. And um, in Genesis 8 verse 1, God says, he remembered Noah and he made a wind blow over the earth so that the waters would, would subside. Right, so it's not that God went, oh, gosh, I forgot about Noah and his little boat down there. I best go down and uh, blow the winds and so that the waters will resolve. No, he brought Noah to mind. That's the sense, isn't it? He brought Noah 
and his cause to mind, and he did something about it. Similarly, you think of the rainbow. Genesis 9, God promises whenever he sees the rainbow, it says he would remember his covenant that he made never again to flood the earth. Now again, it's not that the Lord kind of, the, the memory of it slipped out of his mind and he, he needs the rainbow to sort of prompt him. Oh yeah, gosh, I've nearly forgotten that. The sense is the rainbow is there and the Lord goes, aha, fine, I, I call to mind. I will remember my covenant. I will act upon it. I will do it. So when the Lord says, I will remember their sins no more, it's actually better. It's better than just, I don't know, forgetfulness or a memory drifting away. It's the Lord saying to us, I will never bring this out to book. Right? I'm not the kind of God who's going to file away your sins for a later date and then remember them before you one day. Now, we like to do that. I like to do that, don't you? When someone sinned against you, you say, yeah, okay, right, yeah, I forgive you. And then you just file that away. Oh, we'll remember it, though. Just going to pop that over there. And when the opportune moment comes, maybe months later, maybe years later, oh, just take it out of the filing cabinet and say, can I just remind you of that time when you dot, dot, dot. Right? The Lord says, I will never do that. I will remember your sins no more. It's not a forgetfulness thing. It's that I will never file them away to bring them against you on a future date. And so he calls us to that same decision-led forgiveness of other people. It's a decision that we make. We say, if I'm I'm going to forgive that person, right, and to mark it, I am never going to raise it with them again. I'm not going to dwell on it. That's hard. Not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to talk about it with other people. I'm not going to bring it up against you, and I'm not going to let it stand between us. And I've decided that today. I will remember it no more. It's the kind of forgiveness the Lord has shown us. It's the kind of forgiveness he's calling us to, decision-led. And then finally, when the Lord says, I will forgive them their wickedness and remember their sins no more, especially in the context of this great covenant promise, he says, there's a, new, there's a covenant coming I'm going to seal this covenant here. This covenant where the law is going to be written on your hearts and minds. I'm going to create this relationship between God and his people, which everyone is going to enjoy from the least to the greatest. I'm going to achieve it by the forgiveness of the sins. And I'm going to do it by rending the heavens and coming down. That's how, that, that's how he goes about winning forgiveness for his own by coming. Now, isn't it a wonder, isn't it? The Lord knows, right? So we, we sit here and we think, oh my goodness, it's costly. It's so costly to forgive. Maybe you've got someone on your heart right now and you think, oh, it's just so costly. There, you can roam the universe. There is no one who knows that cost more than Jesus. 
when the Lord said, I will forgive them. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He meant it with his own body and blood. And that's why Jesus taught in, in multiple places in the Gospels. He said, essentially, in various parables, look at how much the Lord has forgiven you. Ponder it. Think about it again and again. Look and see how much the Lord has forgiven you. So church family, look and see in Christ what God has done to forgive me. That's why we repeat this meal over and over and over again. It is a good thing to do. Every time we gather here, when you put your hands out tonight to receive body and blood, and Tom or someone says, the body and blood of Christ. Right, take it, eat it, and think to yourself, the cost, the great cost of my sins forgiven. And dwell upon it, receive it, because in that is the power, the resource, the energy, the wherewithal, the resolve to be peacemakers. To be a people who then offer that forgiveness out. It flows through from the Lord to us and through us to one another. Peacemakers who can go and be reconciled offering this kind of forgiveness, decision-led. I will remember their sins no more, and I will do it, says the Lord, body and blood. Let's pray together. The Apostle Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Lord Jesus, in you and in what you've done for us, we see unfathomable, unthinkable grace, wonderful, boundless forgiveness. Your mercy is free, all-encompassing. It washes us clean. And you say over each and every one of our lives, I will remember your sins no more. Lord, may we hear that again tonight in a special way and may it propel us as followers after this, Lord Jesus, to be his servants as peacemakers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.